Well, as we've been uh, discussing this morning, and we've seen that Christmas is only less than three weeks away now, the end of the year is coming, and the excitement is building. Um, but this means also, though, for most of us, I think you might find that we're actually a bit more tired than usual at the moment, and uh, might be looking forward to what's after Christmas, the summer holidays that are coming, uh, and a time for refreshment and renewal. So maybe you're in that space too. I want to think about renewal for a minute as we look at Psalm 103. Um, renewal is an interesting idea. You know, what does it mean to be renewed? Uh, so when something's renewed, we take something, don't we, that's tired, old, worn out. Um, and through a process of either working on it or letting it rest, it becomes actually new again as it was in the beginning. It's almost like turning back the clock or a time travel, uh, bringing something back to the way it was. And there's something miraculous about renewal uh, or new things coming out of old things. And we can feel a bit like this perhaps ourselves uh, after our holidays. So coming back, some of us will be coming back in late January, uh, perhaps full of energy and creativity, ready for the year, um, as though the sleep and the rest and the fun that we've had at that time has literally made us a new person uh, than we were now. And I talk about renewal because I think this psalm today, Psalm 103, it is a psalm that is about renewal. And I think as we read through it, we see a man like King David who wrote the psalm is someone who's been tired, he's been worn out, and he's been through sickness and sadness and oppression and injustice, and is seeking now renewal from God. And this psalm is a song about what does it mean to be renewed through a living relationship with God. So I think for those of us who might feel the need for renewal at the moment, it's worth a look. So what King David does as he writes this song that we've just heard is to remind himself and to urge himself to remember who he is, to remember who God is and the way that God acts and has acted towards him. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this psalm is one of the psalms that we might call the psalms of reorientation, the psalms that we're looking at this term, where the point is not so much for us to learn something new about God, though you might do that, but as we read and reflect, to remember and to turn our attention, our orientation, to something that we perhaps already know. Um, and to encourage ourselves to do that and to allow ourselves to experience as we do that God's transformation and his love, even through difficult times. And that's why the key phrase for me in this psalm is the refrain that starts the psalm, it's repeated throughout it and then comes right up at the end where David says, praise the Lord my soul, or as you might have seen, bless the Lord my soul. I mean, we started our uh, service saying this as we sung 10,000 Reasons together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, or praise the Lord, my soul. It's interesting here, you can see that David in this psalm is actually talking to his own soul, as though he were talking to a friend, uh, a friend who needs encouragement. He, so he says to himself, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. So he's actually in this psalm addressing himself, his soul, you know, which is his heart and his thoughts and his inner world and everything that makes him who he is. And he's saying, what you need to do, my soul, is to praise the Lord, to thank him and to remember him. Don't forget, he says, don't forget his benefits, don't forget the healing that he's given you, don't forget his forgiveness and don't forget his renewal. Most of us are familiar with the idea of what we call positive self-talk. You might have heard this idea. Um, 
which is when we actually kind of engage in an intentional conversation with our own self, with our mindset and with the thoughts that we have. We say positive things to ourselves to kind of encourage ourselves uh, and change our perspective. So you might tell yourself in a bad situation, come on, Andrew, it's not so bad. It's going to be okay. You've got this, man. You know, that's quite encouraging, actually. Um, I, I feel <laughs> yeah, people are on your side. They're laughing with you, not at you. Um, and so, and that kind of talk when you say it to yourself, it undoes the negative thought patterns that we often carry around with us. Um, and so this is a psalm as you read it. It's a psalm, it's a positive self-talk. He's saying over and over to himself, praise the Lord, my soul. So David, praise the Lord. And David often does this kind of thing in his psalms, if you read them. He often talks to himself and says to himself, like, don't be, disca- don't be downcast, don't despair. Remember God, don't worry. And so here he says, praise the Lord, my soul, remember him, don't forget him, and don't forget who you are. And the rest of the psalm then moves to David saying, well, why should I do this? Why should we remember and praise the Lord? Who is God and who are we and how does that affect us? How does he renew us? So firstly, David asks himself, who is this Lord? And he remembers, who is this Lord, this God that he needs to praise? And so in verses 6 to 12, he does this. And he reminds himself and outlines for himself the things that Israel, his people, have learned about God over the years. So he says, we've learned that God is righteous, that God is good, that God is just, God is active to set people free. We've learned that God speaks and makes himself known to people, that God is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, full of love. He reminds himself that God is patient and he is forgiving. And the way that God loves us, he reminds himself, is incomprehensible and the depths of his forgiveness are infinite. So he reminds himself that when God forgives sin, it isn't just like crossing out in a line in a book that you can still see. It's literally taken out of existence. So for God to forgive sin, as it says, as far as east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgression, our transgressions from us. So he can't get any further than that. And this is how God treats his people. And finally, he reminds himself clearly that God is a father to us, his children, all of humanity, and God has compassion on his children as we would have our own. And of course, Jesus picked up that picture of God the Father and used it very strongly. So this is who God is. This is who David is reminding himself. This is who I'm praising. And then he reminds himself more about who we are that is doing the praising. Who are we? Well, we are children of God, yes. He is our father, and so we're not the products of chaos or evil. We're not worthless animals. We're actually images of the divine nature. But he also reminds himself that even though that is true, we are still weak, we are still fragile, we're bendable, we're breakable. Human beings are not immortal gods, and we're not indestructible machines. We're a bit more frail than that, and transient, perhaps like a wave that comes up on the beach for a moment, and then it's gone. Or like a wind that blows through and somehow brings together these atoms that we have in the shape of a body for a little while, which then disperse again. Um, We can see this kind of idea in verses 14 to 17, which is a real beautiful meditation. Uh, What does it mean to be created or made, to be limited, but still loved by God nonetheless? So these are verses that I often read at uh, gravesides when we bury someone in the ground. Uh, So David says, For... Of God, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are but dust. The life of mortals is like grass. 
They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. So we can hear the idea for David, he's reminding himself that even though we are like this, we wear out like a flower that's gone tomorrow and our dust goes back into the dust of the earth from which we came, that God actually still cares and he will renew and keep us. Now all these things I've just said about God and about us may seem very nice but actually perhaps pretty obvious to us, you know, we've probably heard this kind of thing said many times before. Um, But I think this gentle and kind of almost nourishing picture of life and renewal with God that David's reminding himself of seems to be actually foreign to the understanding of the majority of people in the world. And I think even as Christians who read it and perhaps understand it with our minds, it's not necessarily how we live or how we think about ourselves and other people quite regularly. Because the problem is in our own thinking about God and ourselves, often we might reverse the order of thinking that David uses here. So in the psalm we can see David actually starts asking himself, who is God first? And then says, well, who am I in the light of that? So he says, I know God is just, that God is loving. And I know that I'm fragile, I'm needy, and therefore God is loving to me and cares for me. But it's common, I think, we often go the other way when we think about ourselves and other people. And so the outcome is completely different. So if we start with ourselves instead, so to say at the outset... I am just like dust. I am going to die one day. I'm wearing out and everyone around me is like that too. We're frail, we're weak, we make mistakes, we sin. What does that mean? Perhaps we are kind of not really worth very much. Perhaps we're kind of trashy objects who deserve contempt or disgust for what we are. And so then you think, oh, well, if that's who I am, then who is God? If, well, if God's around and he's real, perhaps he looks at me with disappointment or anger, anger, and he's disgusted with who I am. He's going to punish me or throw me away. And so you can see it's a matter of perspective and where we start, and that's why David needs to remind himself of who we are. Without the proper perspective, something like us, something that's weak, something that's mortal, might seem worthless. Why bother? And the picture then of God that we have on the basis of that is a harsh or angry one. Um, but when, when we're actually seen as David does, you start with God our Father and hitting the light that he gives And we see, well, actually something weak like us and mortal is actually entirely precious, entirely cared for by God. And that's why David is reminding himself of this, who God is. And that's why he speaks to his soul and he says, you need to remember God, you need to praise him. Don't forget that he wants to heal you and that he wants to renew you and forgive you. Uh, Because it speaks to this greater worth and destiny that God has for you. He cares for these creatures that are just dust and he made And that's why God enters into a relationship with us in the first place, uh, rather than destroying us when we disappoint him. And so verse 18 speaks about the covenant that God made between his people and him. There's a promise that he's going to look after these creatures, bless them with his faithfulness and steady love. And and this is something that's good to think about. One of the interesting things, um, as you read through the Bible, is that if you, you can notice in the Old Testament, perhaps, that the people of Israel in David's time and before, had a very limited view of what we might think of as life after death. It's quite surprising with our mindset to realise there's actually very little discussion in the Old Testament of what anything like the possibility of an ongoing, 
positive life after we die, like the idea of going to heaven or eternal life that we think is a very common uh, idea. And it's in the Bible, certainly, but it's not really there in the Old Testament. Um, instead, the Hebrew people in older times really tended to have the view that when someone dies uh, and their body stops working, that's kind of the end of their existence in, in reality. Um, you know, and the soul, if they thought about it, was like this life that kind of drifts away and fades into the shadowy underworld when we die. Um, and that's, I think, the pit that David is talking about in verse 4 here, save me from the pit the end of his real life, where he can, he can know God. Uh, instead, the, instead, the ancient Hebrews are really focused on the blessings of this life that they had with God and the abundance of prosperity and peace that God promised to, to give them in their life now, in the land with him, and that their children's children would have after them. So this is the kind of mindset that they had. But over time, they did actually start more and more to realise and to say, well, this is actually hey, probably not the end of things. This is not all that there is. Not because they, they were afraid of dying or they were speculating about what life after death might be, but because they became more and more convinced of who their God was. If God really is our Father, if God really has compassion on us weak creatures, then would he really make people that he truly loves and then let them pass away into nothingness? Um, and I believe that this idea of who God is, it's the basic source of the, of the Jewish belief in the resurrection from the dead. And the idea that God the Father will raise his children up from the dead and renew their life because of his great love to them. And Jesus, of course, fulfilled that hope, didn't he, in his resurrection, showing that this was a true hope, that God would do that. If we read in the, New, in the New Testament, that hope becomes far more clear. In 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, the Apostle Paul builds on some of the images and ideas in Psalm 103 to express this new hope of a renewal of a resurrection life for weak and mortal people like us with the bodies that pass away. So Paul says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. And so, as Paul says, this soul that God has given us, the soul that David is uh, encouraging himself to praise the Lord, this energy that makes our bodies move and live for a period before they wear out, you know, this soul that is our inmost being, this thing doesn't dissipate into nothingness after we die. It will be raised up and breathed into this new body, the spiritual body that won't wear out, a body that's filled with the spirit of God and doesn't pass away, like the flowers. And so in, it's in that body that we praise the Lord and look forward to doing so forever. And so as Psalm 103 ends, David uh, turns from thinking about God and us to having this perspective that there is this eternal hope, this praise of, of God that's going on in the heavenly world, you know, the angels and other servants of God who praise him forever. So as he says, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his, his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. So I believe if we read through Psalm 103, it's actually a a gospel psalm. It's a gospel psalm and it steps us through the good news that, that Jesus taught us more clearly and showed uh, through his life. Uh, the good news that fulfills the hope of renewal that David wrote about here. 
And so the good news is, you know, we were created and formed for a real loving connection with God, who is the ultimate loving Father and the maker of everything. And when we fail, when we sin, he forgives us, he restores us, he heals us and renews us from the inside out. So firstly, restoring our soul and then the body that we inhabit. And so Jesus has achieved that renewal for us now. We know that he secures its hope. And so we know we will be raised up for that new life that won't wear out, the new life that's always going to be renewed with God. So, as I said, I think most of us are probably on the tired end of the spectrum at the moment, and I know I am, looking for renewal. Uh, And the next few weeks are a journey towards the end of the year, and hopefully there's some wonderful celebrations along the way. And it's a journey, though, for a lot of us towards renewal, you know, in the new year, after the holidays and after our rest, and we start again. But that's a journey of renewal that actually takes place across our whole life as well, what we're looking forward to with God. Um, And in, in every moment within that life, to be renewed with him. And I think that's why when David gets to the end of the psalm, he concludes it the same way he began it, you know, almost like starting again. So he says, praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. He needs to remember what he's hoping for, this renewal. So I encourage you today, um, as we think about this, don't forget who God is, don't forget who we are, uh, and it's good to remember and encourage ourselves to remember that he has plans to renew us all in Jesus. So God knows who we are, he knows we're but dust. It doesn't matter how weak we are, he knows it, but he has it in his heart to renew us and he will. I'm going to pray as we reflect on that. Lord, as we come to worship this morning and we remember what Christ has done, many of us experience in ourselves the fact that we are just dust, that we are weak and frail, that that we don't live forever, and we seek your renewal, your life and your rest. And I pray that you would give us that through Jesus, through his spirit, working and acting in our hearts, in our inmost beings. And please draw us back to you to renew ourselves, to renew our souls in your love and your fatherly care. So I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.